Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I want to preach this morning to you a subject never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. Book of Psalms, Psalm 78. In verse 70, he, this is God, he also chose David, his servant, took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, and he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Amen. Never forget where you came from. Can you just turn to somebody and say, I'll never forget where God brought me from. Just tell somebody, I'll never forget it. Amen, because the devil would like you to forget it. The devil would like you to think that you got to where you are all on your own. And our carnal nature sometimes rises up and says, look what a great job I have done for myself. And God is up there going, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't have that car. You'd still be on the bus. (laughs) You look around at that house saying, what a great house I have constructed. What a great house I have built. And God said, if it weren't for me, you'd still be back there at that old broken down rental thing that you had years ago. From time to time, God wants us just to remind us and for us just to think to ourselves, if it had not been for the mercies and the goodness of God, I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't be anything. But through God's goodness and mercy, I have something and I am something today. Praise God. I don't know what was preached on the 3rd August of the year 2021. Anybody here without looking it up, remember what was preached exactly a year ago? Anybody? Do we have any of those people that can recall everything in their life? I forget what you call them people. Nobody. I can't even do it. None of us have a great memory like that. But I am confident whatever was preached a year ago today, it helped me for that time and season one year ago. It helped me with whatever was going on that week. I can't remember exactly what I ate for lunch a year ago, but I can promise you this, it was something good. I can't even remember exactly what I did maybe three or four days ago, but whatever I did three or four days ago, it benefited me here today, praise the Lord. And I think that's how we live in most of our life and time. We can't remember exactly everything, but if you do something good day by day and experience God's goodness day by day, it has its way of stacking up to bless your present, your here and now, and even the future, even though you can't exactly remember it. I only remember, I could call to remembrance, maybe about 10 to 15 messages in our church that were life-changing for me. I can give you the exact title that was preached. I can give you a few of the songs that were sung. I can tell you exactly what I wore and maybe who I hung out with after church and things like that. For the most part, I can't remember all of that. 
Because it was not meant for my here and now. It was not meant for my future. It was meant for me to grow and to be blessed back then. But there are certain moments and certain times and seasons of your life, especially before the age of 20 years old, moments that you may have had no idea, but God had his hand upon you. And his eye was upon you. And the things that you were doing, the things that you were working on, the things that you were trying to accomplish in life, it kind of, as it were, froze who you were and permanently gave you an identity. And God wants to take that very thing and use you for the kingdom of heaven here and now. Praise the Lord. I believe there are things that we should forget. I want to forget what God forgets. I don't think, amen, our sins need to be the thing that propels us. Oh, no. But all of that stuff drowned in the waters of baptism. We're no longer alcoholics. We're no longer drug addicts. We're no longer adulterers or fornicators or idolaters or any of those things. But we forget those things that are behind us and press towards the mark, the high calling of God. But I am preaching today about the things that God never forgot about you. And those were the things that you sought to do to add value for yourself, your family, and for your friends. David didn't start out as the great king of Israel. He didn't start out as the beginning of the seed of the kings of Judah and becoming the first, amen, that God said, out of your seed, amen, shall come forth a deliverer, which would be the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 78, it's a psalm about the rebellious times of Israel and how God would be good to them, but they would forget about the goodness of God and seek to be like nations round about, and God would send judgment upon them to get their attention, to cause them to repent of their wicked ways. And at the end of this psalm, talking to the rebellious people, he said, I raised up for them, not a great king from a great family, not a mighty this or a great that, but simply a small little shepherd boy. And look at what I did through his life. And it was God's reminder to Israel and for anybody that reads and believes that psalm, that you don't have to come from greatness to be something great for the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to come from some big name or some big city or some big family or some big group to do something big for Almighty God. Amen. All it takes, amen, is somebody with a heart for God to do something great for Him. Amen. You don't have to be supernatural, but rather let God add His super to your natural to do something powerful for Him. Praise the Lord. David began as a small boy, as a shepherd, feeding sheep. Now, maybe some of you have been to some of the great petting zoos around here. When I think about feeding sheep, I think about putting a little quarter in that machine, turning it over, and these little pellets come out. And, you know, I get to feel like, you know, a shepherd, right? Not back then. They didn't have machines like that. You know what they had to do? Find green pastures in the desert. The desert doesn't have large, lush lawns like we have here in Kansas City. Maybe some of us, our lawns are still burnt out. We need to water it. Praise the Lord. But no, in the desert, you only have little small sprigs of grass. 
And the sheep can't find those grass sprigs on their own. The shepherd has to look across the valley and look far away to find that little piece of green and lead his sheep with his staff and his rod to find those green little specks of grass so they can be fed. There's not much water out there in the desert, but the shepherd has to listen and find and know where the water sources that appear there in the desert and lead the sheep to those places for them to have a drink. That's where it all started for David. But God said, I'm going to take the principles and the talents that you learned as a shepherd in caring for the sheep, and I'm going to use those same principles to help lead the nation of Israel. A people who didn't know how to find food from God. A people who did not know how to drink of the living waters of the Spirit of God. But it was David the king who stood up and brought worship back to the house of Israel. How to hear from God and how to feel after God. And it started by simply just being a shepherd. I'm talking to somebody, your first job was flipping hamburgers or turning on the fry pit. Could it be that God did not only want you to flip a hamburger, but help somebody flip their life around? Amen. Could it be, amen, somebody in here, you could take the same principles that you learned on the job to do something for the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. I just have been feeling it the last several months, amen, that God is wanting to raise somebody up to do something great. But you're wondering, I never went to Bible college. I don't have a scholarship view of the Bible. I don't even really feel like I know how to work the altar calls. And you feel like you have to reinvent yourself and, and develop yourself. And all those things are, do, are great. And, and anything you want to do to grow yourself is fine. But what God is saying, I want to develop what is already inside of you. I want to work on what you have already been working on. I want to take the tools that are already inside of you and do something great for me like I did with a simple small shepherd boy to shepherd Israel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Before the ministry, I did a lot of things, but the thing that I did the longest was I was a waiter. I served. I knew how to put the apron on and the tie on and come out there with a little notebook and pen and say, what would you like to drink? And what would you like to eat? And I would bring out what they ordered to them. Some days were good and some days were not so good. You know, I like to think of myself as a strong guy, can handle myself. But let me tell you, you find out what you are really made of if you've got balance and you've got what it takes when you have a tray of food over your head like this. All right, we got a witness here. I was working for a place that may or may not have lobsters in an aquarium out there in front for you to look at. You know where I'm talking about? And uh, it was when I was in Bible college, and uh, they said, Gleason, your order's up. Come get your food. And I come up there and look at all that beautiful food there. There's a nice big lobster there, some, some shrimp and a garlic butter sauce and french fries and, and all of this. And I always like to make sure the food looked good, you know, because sometimes those cooks, I mean, they know how to cook, but they just kind of throw it together. You know, I would kind of take a cloth and sort of in tools and kind of straighten the food out to make it look presentable, right? It's got to look good. Come on. And uh, I picked up that tray, and I was in a hurry, and I come walking outside of the door to get that food to the people and I was moving too fast for what my fingers had a grip on and what was on the bottom of that. See, what was on the bottom of that was some garlic shrimp scampi sauce. 
And when I turned like this, my finger slipped out from underneath the tray, and that tray fell down, and pasta sauce went all over these people right on the table there. Oh. Not a good day. I heard somebody say, praise God. <laughs> I, uh, I remember uh, taking care of a, a bunch of executives at a uh, restaurant around here that was uh, known for their crawfish etouffee. I don't think that restaurant's open anymore. Very busy lunch. The table is full of executives, and there was one business lady there at the table who ordered a Diet Coke. And I had a tray full of drinks there, and somebody from the table got up and slightly bumped my arm, and that Diet Coke just went all down her back, my Lord. And, uh, yeah, I didn't make a friend out of her that day. No tip either. But I can tell you stories. I worked in one restaurant. It was known for uh, making nice cheesecakes. I had to wear all white. I love that everybody just went, mmm. And, and I worked at the opening store in St. Louis. And I remember our managers saying that there will be people that will wait three hours for a table here in the first six months of our opening. I remember thinking, three hours? There is no way. But sure enough, they did. They waited three hours. You want to talk about cranky people wait three hours for a table. By the time they sat down, they were practically about ready to eat their fork and knife. They're so hungry. And I went through a few weeks of actually when people sat down, I said, you know, it's probably going to take about 30 minutes just for them to cook your food, but I can get you a cheesecake really quick. Would you like to have one? And I was shocked. Seven out of 10 people would say, yes, bring it on. I'm starving. Learned how to serve dessert first. But I learned how to sell food. And I learned how to make people happy. And I learned how to, as it were, some kind of entertain people and make them feel comfortable not having to cook in their own home, but rather come out and enjoy time with their family. I helped guys plan an engagement, how they were going to propose to their future wife at the table. I helped people celebrate their birthdays. I even helped people who weren't having a good day trying to come in and find some joy and happiness in food or drink. There were times I hated that, that type of work. There was times I dreaded it. Some days I loved it. But let me tell you this, after it was all said and done, I realized that that job was specifically designed by God to help me in future ministry. There are people that come in looking at the menu, the Holy Bible, that have no idea what to ask for and no idea what to want, but God gave me the answers, and I'm able to direct them in the Word of God. Praise God. I have people that come into this church frustrated, feel like they have been waiting a long time, and it just takes me and some of our staff members and some of our saints to gently guide them and say, you've waited for a good thing. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ. His spirit is greater than any steak you've ever had, any dessert you've ever had. He is the greatest thing. I've learned to serve God. I've learned to serve the people. It didn't just start here in a pulpit. It started with putting food together. It started with putting dishes away and keeping things clean and chairs straightened. That's how it started. And God took Justin Gleason from serving the tables, amen, to serving his people, praise the Lord. And if God can do that for David, and if he can do it for me, 
He can most certainly do it for you. Praise the Lord. David learned how to play and sing for his flock. He sung songs about his sheep, wrote music about those little lambs, and even, as it were, patterned his life after them saying, I'm shepherding my sheep, but it's God Almighty who shepherds me. He's the one, amen, who led me to green pastures. He's the one who led me to still waters. He is the one who restored my soul. I'm amazed. All my preacher friends, you know where a lot of us started? It was not in the pulpit. Most of us started over there on the drums. And I don't know why that is, but most preachers start out on the drums. I don't understand that. That was my first platform ministry was playing the drums. God bless all of our music leaders in the past for putting up with me back there sounding like a toy monkey on the cymbals back in the 90s when I was 10 years old. We got a much better system to train drummers now, but back then it was kind of like, you know, you just kind of get up and you just learn. I think that's how most of us in the old days learned how to swim. You didn't take lessons. They just threw you in the deep end and said, learn to swim, figure it out. And what would happen is at the, towards the end of the altar call, the experienced drummer would get off and let a new drummer get on there and try it out. <laughs> and, uh, but bless God, I learned. And I can still make a beat back there, praise God. But it all started just there. And I developed myself and I grew myself and I realized it wasn't just about the feeling of the drums and looking cool. But when you step behind any instrument or you sing or you do anything in this church, whether it's in the narthex or a classroom or on our lawn or anything, you do it unto the Lord. And everything that you do unto the Lord pleases the Lord. And if you will do that, God will promote you in what you're doing to something greater. It went from playing altar calls in the old church on Sunday nights to being one of the leading musicians in my Bible college to being involved in the music on platforms at camp meetings and even a few general conferences. I didn't ask for that. I didn't beg for that. And never in my wildest dreams would I ever think that would ever happen. But if you will learn to do the small things for God, he'll take those small things and make them into great things. <laughs> Praise the Lord. David learned how to kill lions and bears. You know, those little sheep out there, in a valley, chewing on little small sprigs of grass and drinking little water here and there. You know what else is out there? Lions, tigers, bears, scorpions, snakes, all of those things. And in order for the sheep to survive, the shepherd had to know how to protect the sheep. And he would always be looking up, is there a lion up here trying to come down and take one of these sheep? Is a bear up there trying to take one of these sheep? He didn't have a sword a mighty weapon back then. He didn't have a shield. He didn't have a bow and arrow, but he had, as it were, the smallest and the weakest of weapons that a man could have back then, a simple little sling and some stones. But with those small things, those little minute things, he learned how to fight great battles to protect his sheep. He became accurate in throwing those stones at long distances. And whenever a line would be 100 yards away, he'd get to swirling around that sling and fling that stone and sometimes even take the very life of a lion 100 yards away. Those weren't so much great victories. Those weren't great battles. Those weren't great times of war and conquest. 
but it was the start to something greater. Because David was met with a great challenge one day, a 12-foot-tall man named Goliath challenging Israel, challenging God, challenging all of them. And no soldier would go and fight. No captain would go and fight. And not even the king would go and fight. But David said, who is this man who would dare to curse the armies of the living God and to curse our God? If I can kill a lion, I can kill him. If I can take down a bear, I can take him because I can do everything with God's power. And he did it through with a sling and a stone and the giant's own sword. Amen. You don't have the fat to have the fanciest of equipment and the fanciest car and the nicest this or that. But if you will learn to use what God has already given to you, amen, you can win battles that nobody else will fight. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We've been doing a project in the last several months, and that is taking old cassette tapes from our church, old preaching tapes from the 90s and the 2000s and uploading them on the internet for you to enjoy. And it has been so nice, so neat to walk down memory lane and listen to some of those old messages. And one of uh, the greatest preachers, evangelists of my time was Charlie Mahaney. Maybe some of you remember him. Amen. He was got up and uh, talking about his testimony, some of the Horrible things that he experienced as a child and in his own family and in his neighborhood and grew up uh, uh, full of hatred and full of bitterness and got into so many various types of sins and got in trouble with the law. You'll have to go back and listen to it. I don't feel comfortable even repeating it over the pulpit. It's his story to tell, but he talks about being in prison there in uh, cell block J and the Lord came down and visited him and called him into the ministry and it put him on a path, a man walking with the Lord. And uh, he says, even though I was uh, a horrible kid and, and uh, my teachers didn't like me and the neighborhood didn't like me and other children didn't like me, he said, I learned how to stand up sometimes on a park bench and before too long I'd have about 20 to 30 people around me and I'd be telling them stories and telling them jokes. You see, God forgave him of the alcohol. God forgave him of the drugs. None of that carried on to his ministry. But there was something, amen, in his childhood that God looked back and saw and said, I'm going to use that someday. God forgot all about the violence, all about the crime, all about the sin. But God looked down and said, little Charlie Mahaney back there in the 1940s, you know how to make people laugh. You know how to draw a crowd. You know how to make people, amen, come together. And God said, I'm going to take that and use that for the kingdom of heaven. And you can hear it. You can see it, amen. There was nobody that was more funnier than the pulpit than Charlie Mahaney. Nobody could make you cry more and laugh more than Charlie Mahaney. Nobody could make you get under the conviction of God like Charlie Mahaney. It didn't start in the pulpit, but it started on a park bench with just a bunch of little kids. It starts somewhere, and it may start start somewhere for you. And if you will just simply do the small things, God will take it and make it great. Never, ever forget where you come from. Never forget the things that you did as a child. God may use those very things in your adult years to be a minister for him. David was not esteemed by his father and his brothers. And the prophet Samuel came into town. 
probably the most famous man in all of Israel, said, I've come to anoint the next king of Israel. Jesse got all the sons that he was proud of, all the ones that were tall and strong, warriors, the ones that knew how to use shield and sword. But he didn't bring the youngest son, the shepherd boy. When Samuel looked and saw the tall men and all the tall brothers and thought, oh, well, surely one of these is the king. But God said, I'm not looking on the outside. I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking what is inside of the heart. I don't need the strongest king. I don't need the best looking king. But I want a king who has a heart that I can work with and I can train and take him from the smallest to the greatest. David knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be picked last. And he wrote in some of his psalms, and some of us believe that he was possibly not even conceived by the same mother as all of those brothers, but was illegitimate. In some of his psalms, he writes that I was conceived in iniquity. He was an outcast in his own family, an outcast in the community. The only friends that he had were the little sheep that he cared for. But God looked all past all of that, for God does not see people as you and I see people. But God saw a young boy that liked to write music for God and had a heart for sheep. And God said, I can take a worshiper like that and make him a worshiper for all of Israel. I can take somebody who loves sheep, who will love all the people of Israel. You never forget where you come from. Another great evangelist, amen. And by God's grace, you'll be able to make a virtual appearance with, to us this coming, passing the mantle, Evangelist Lee Stone King, a mighty preacher, one of the greatest, one of the best, and very powerful in the impartation of spiritual gifts and apostolic ministry. I was listening to some of his older messages that I was telling you about earlier, and I had completely forgotten, and he talks about it, his father was an alcoholic. His father had multiple DUIs. He said, my family lost everything. I grew up in poverty, and I had to work for everything myself. He said, most of my teenage years, I only had one pair of blue jeans, and I would take them home after school and wash them and work in them, and I knew how to do with what little I had. He said, I worked on the farm. I took care of the chickens, the horses, the cows, to try to do everything we could to survive. He said, I worked hard at becoming an artist, and I got interested in various forms of tap dancing. I don't know how that happened from the farm to artistry to tap dancing. But he tells that story. That's where it all started for me. But he said, now, amen, instead of feeding the cows, I feed the word of God to the people. Instead of now drawing portraits of people, I now develop sermons to bless the people. And instead of getting out and tap dancing, I dance before the Lord. Hallelujah. It didn't start at passing the mantle for him. It started on a farm. You never forget where you come from. You learn to do things for God, not having much, but taking something so little and doing great things for the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. There were two times in David's life where he forgot about where he came from. It was one evening on his balcony and looked and saw Bathsheba, and he laid down and sinned with her. The next time, he was pretty much in the same place on his balcony and said, let us go out and number and take a census 
of the armies of Israel, which God commanded them not to do. Forgot about where he came from. Forgot about what God brought him to, and because of that, it caused a great setback in his life for Israel and even his own family. I'm not preaching to you you need to go back to where you came from. Do not return to your sins. Do not return, as it were, your childlike ambitions. We need to keep on moving forward, but what I am preaching to you is if you want to know what you're going to do the best for God at, what you can do greatest for the Lord, it is going back and remembering what you did in the beginning of your life. Those small little victories. I can tell you the place that I was called to preach, but I can also tell you the places where I first preached. It was in my room holding a little microphone that I got out of a Happy Meal to all my little toys. I was doing it, amen, before God ever called me to it. Even if it was just make-believe, even if it was just a small hobby, God can take it and make it into something great. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? I feel like God is touching hearts right now. One of my favorite things to do is to talk to some of our senior saints and hear about what God has brought them through. And what is so interesting to me that each and every person, their callings, their giftings in this church, it can all go back to something that started as a child. Our great musicians, our great singers, it didn't start in their adult years. It started in their childhood. Some of our teachers here in this room, they started teaching when they were a child. Some of the people that have done great things to this campus, they started tinkering and loved tools when they were only a child. That's why you never forget what God brought you from, because the very thing he brought you from, the things that you did for him as a child, you're going to use those same gifts and talents as an adult. Praise the Lord. This church can never forget where we have come from. From 40th and heaven, 40th and Harrison, 40th and heaven, praise God. <laughs> 40th and Harrison, the 720 South Richmond, to all the various places that we rented from before coming here. One of those places we affectionately nicknamed the horse barn. It was an old gymnasium, multi-purpose room in the back of a church. And we nicknamed it the horse barn. And to this day, I still have no idea why. And some of you were there and remember church services there. But it's so interesting to me. We made fun of that horse barn. We weren't proud of it. But some of our greatest, amen, miracles and things that God did for us to propel us into this campus happened there on that horse barn. And I'd like to think that God wanted to just say, hey, I never forgot about that. From taking us to being renters, to here as landowners, and guess what we have, but for not too much longer, a horse barn down there on the North 40. God is saying, never forget where I took you from, TLC. For with those small things that I had for you back then, I'm going to use them for greatness. And here as we speak, amen, going on in this time and season, there is a pastor, his daughter, a family, some workers that are taking that horse barn, taking it all the way across Missouri and building, amen, onto a church that they already have there. Praise God. No telling how many lives will be changed through the timber of that horse barn. But it didn't just start there when we bought it about 10 or 11, 12 years ago. It started in the early 2000s when a lot of us had to come in and set up the chairs in the old horse barn. 
and set up the platform and set up the sound system and try to have church in, in not the best of circumstances. God never forgot it because we did great things with small things. We gave it our best with small things. And if you want to do something great for God, and I listened to the audio of last week, there was such a call, amen, as Apostle C.P. Thomas preached to us, a call to believe in the miraculous, a call, amen, for the ministry. And it was here this past uh, Wednesday night as the missionary from Africa spoke to us such a call, amen, to do something for God. And some of you are wondering, what is my purpose? What could I possibly offer to God? And God is saying, I'm looking for the shepherd. I'm looking for the gardener. I'm looking for that guy that knew how to wash cars when he was a kid. And I'm going to take you from washing cars to being able to wash, amen, the souls of people through your prayers. Praise God. He's looking for somebody like that. Praise the Lord. He's looking for somebody they didn't have the greatest of situations in their life, but they had a heart that would do anything that God wanted them to do. I'm here to tell you, you can discover your purpose by where he brought you from. Can you say amen? The musicians that please come, never forget where you came from. Where did Jesus come from? Yes, he came from heaven. Yes, he came from God, but he was also a man. Where did he come from? carpenter. Back then, a carpenter, there really wasn't a whole lot of working with wood, not a whole lot of trees there in the desert, but they did have a lot of stone. And I've done a lot of extensive research about this. Jesus, from that time, they called guys his age, little Galilean boys, tectons. They were like masons. They would come and dig rocks out of the quarries to help the Herodian dynasty to build their large cities. There was a city about three miles from Nazareth where Jesus grew up, a city being built called Sepphoris by Herod Antipas. According to history, Herod Antipas hired Galilean boys all throughout the cities to come to a place where he wanted to build a city. The only problem was the city where he wanted it to be built, there was a large mountain there. And according to history, he hired all of these Galilean boys, these tectons, these carpenters to literally move a mountain and cast it into the Sea of Galilee to be forgotten forever. That's what Jesus did when he was a small boy. That was his beginnings, moving mountains so pagan cities could be built. He gets older and he stands up to preach and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Instead of saying, let's all dig and move a mountain, instead he said, you can just speak to the mountain and watch it be moved and cast into the sea. He said, if you just simply have grain, like a little seed of mustard, you can just let it sow and let it grow and let it take over the entire field. That's what he said, my kingdom is like. It didn't start with him being baptized in the Jordan River and the heavens open. It didn't start with him opening blinded eyes. It didn't start with him unstopping the deaf ears. But it simply started with him saying, if somebody needs work to be done, I'll work. And now he is not so much a carpenter of stone, but he is a carpenter of people. He's building us up. He's putting us together. Amen. He is fashioning us into the image he wants us to be. Praise the Lord. Peter didn't start out preaching there in the book of Acts chapter 2. 
That was the finished work. But the Lord looked back and saw him where he came from, a fisherman. And God said, I'm going to take you, a fisher that catches fish, and you are now going to catch mankind. He comes by Matthew at the tax collecting table, and he calls him to the ministry. And Matthew went from collecting taxes, amen, to collecting souls. Hallelujah. Never forget where you come from. He wants to use the experiences of your childhood and your teen years and your early 20s, amen, to do something for him. To take what you have, amen, and conquer things for God and to do things for the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, God can use you. He wants to use you. You're not inadequate. That's a lie of the devil. Your talents didn't drown in the waters of baptisms. Your sin did. But your talents are still there. Your callings are still there. And God is making a pull on somebody's heart, a man or a woman, to do something for him to reach this generation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can we all stand and clap our hands unto the Lord? Amen. Who hasn't given up on us? Who hasn't forgotten us? He hasn't forgotten where you come from. Hallelujah. Psalm 78. David led Israel with the integrity of his heart and the skill of his hands. That's all God really needs. A heart that is after him and hands that know how to do something. Everybody in this room knows how to do something. You know how to fix a flat tire. If you can do that, you can do something. If you can brew a cup of coffee, you can do something. Praise the Lord. If you can change a light bulb, you can do something for the kingdom of heaven. He wants your talents. He wants your heart. He wants to use you to reach your neighbors, your friends, your families. Amen. He wants to use you to do something, amen, in this church and here in Kansas City. If there's any shepherds, as it were, amen, that wants to do something great for God, I invite you to come to this altar. May the Lord call to your remembrance your childhood. May the Lord, amen, help you to see, amen, the things that he has remembered about you. Hallelujah. Once you walk down memory lane right now about your life, and remember, these were the key moments in my life, amen, that propelled me to here and now. These were the moments in my childhood, the small things I did for the here and now. And I want God to use me to do those things. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. What's your sling? What's your stone? What's your little harp that you had? Who were the sheep that you cared for? What were the little things that you did for God? Hallelujah. He's not looking for the greatest, the swiftest, and the fastest. He's looking for somebody, amen, with a heart that loves, a heart that cares. A heart, amen, amen, that'll do it, amen, even when nobody else is looking. Amen. The heart when nobody else invited you to come to the great anointing. The heart, amen, when nobody, amen, wanted you to be great, but a heart that said, I don't care what other people think. I'm after God's own heart. I'm after God's anointing. Hallelujah. Won't you reach out to this God and say, Lord, I'm available. Show me what I'm good at. And then, Lord, show me how to use what I'm already good at to do something great for you here in 2022. Hallelujah. That's right, you heard it from C.P. Thomas. He was a practicing witch. He was into the dark arts. 
He had people coming to him to do medium work for them. But God saved his soul, healed him from a brain tumor. And now don't people come to him to see their lost loved one, but rather they come to him, amen, to find the Lord Jesus Christ. If he can take a man from the jungles of India and do that even here and minister in Kansas City, what can he do for you here in Kansas City? Praise the Lord. Amen. Call out to the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray, amen, for the power of the living God to fall on the people this morning. I pray, amen, for the callings and the giftings, amen, that are already inside of us to remind us of them. I pray that the gifts of the Spirit begin to stir, and Lord, those, the gifts are already there. The seed is already there. The great ministry of Almighty God is here. May the callings of God become clear, amen. For those that are struggling with purpose, may it become clear right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's right, don't leave until you got it this morning. Don't leave until you feel it, but get a hold of God in prayer this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.